With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to episode 14 of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And today we're back with a full cast and crew. We have George Montanez and Zach Braff. You can follow them on Twitter at jmontanez90 and at Braff Z. Fellas, how are you doing today? Good to be back. Good to be back. Yeah, while. absolutely. Feels like you guys were like on the IL. Well, me and Zach, I mean, I mean, me and George did an episode without you, Zach, and then I had a guest host for a night, and then I took then I took my own time, downtime away, and I was on the ten day IL retroactive to <laughs> three weeks ago. My bad. Good to be back, though. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm glad that glad that we're you know the normal crew's back now. Tonight we're gonna be having a little bit of fun with this episode. It's gonna be our premature victory laps episode and essentially we're going to go around talking about some of the guys that we touted preseason that we were really on and that we're going to go ahead and you know talk them up a little more and maybe give some reasoning behind their hot starts or just in general just again kind of to our own horns a little bit because eh, it's a little it's fun to do that once in a while it's fun to feel right even though it's what that's why it's a premature victory lap we're taking them before the season's even a sixth of the way through feels like or a third of the way whatever Regardless, so we're going to go ahead and jump into those. But before we get into that, we're going to do some news and notes. Now, the first piece of news, Freddie Peralta is on the IL. I believe it's a shoulder issue. I'm not sure of the significance. I haven't really found anything about it. But he was already a fringe guy for me. If you don't have an IL spot, I wouldn't force it. I personally wouldn't mind dropping the guy. He's a two-pitch pitcher. Uh not really a guy from Allen. Maybe I just was. I'm not really a big Freddie Peralta guy, though. So, yeah, you can drop him at this point. Um, it's uh, questionable if he's even gonna rejoin the rotation when he does come back, because um, you do have Jimmy Nelson looming, uh, ready to make some rehab starts. Can't wait for that. Oh, and I forgot to mention, we're gonna do some DL stashes. So that might have been a little bit of a spoiler for one of the guys <laughs> that some of us are holding on to, but. Regardless, now we're going to move on from Freddie because I think that's a pretty easy one. And so another easy one that we can kind of just breeze over. If you guys had any questions about, you know, keeping Pavetta on your team or owning him, well, he made it – or he didn't, but the Phillies made it very easy for you. Pavetta was sent down. Now, I don't think I'm, it's a stretch to say – like he was fringe already, and I actually dropped him before this last start. And now I don't see any way you or any reason to hold on to him. I don't think you guys have much to add to that, right? No, I agree. If you were thinking about dropping him, I, I was considering, you know, making uh, the switch there, you know, picking someone up off the waiver wire. But, um, you know, him being an option, it made it easy. I, I went ahead and dropped him in a 12-team league. And, you know, 
I think at some point this year, he may return and be able to help a team. But at, at this point of the season, you know, uh, I, I don't think I don't think he's worth holding on to right now until he regains his confidence, regains his form and and comes back up with the spot in the rotation and shows that he can get back on track. It's just kind of odd timing how they decided to demote him. I mean, he pitched okay against the Mets. Five innings, got the win. Um, didn't do too bad, but they just didn't seem to be uh, on the same page. And they replaced him with Eikhoff, who looked pretty good yesterday. Um, but, yeah, I think Pavetta will be back at some point. But, yeah, he's really just not worth rostering at this point. And another couple of guys, another couple of guys that might have been fringe guys for you as it was. Again, easy, the teams are making it easy on you guys. Newcomb, right? Both were optioned by the Braves. The interesting one that gets is that after replacing those Soroka, that you know he had a lot of preseason hype. He had some hype going into last year at the end of the season. Has the the pedigree. He looks like a real legitimate, like solid big league starter. It's a matter of health with him. It seems like. Yeah, he's got to stay healthy. Um, he had a few good starts last year. I think both of them happened to be against the Mets where he dominated them. Um, but other than that, I mean, he, he looked good. He didn't look overpowering last year. So it should be interesting to see what he does this year. They have a lot of rotation options in Atlanta. I think Newcomb will definitely be back sooner than later. I think right once he kind of settles in down in AAA, I could definitely see him coming back too. But Max Freed's looked very good in that rotation. Um, Tuki Toussaint is going to get a start. Um, he's, he's, he's in the rotation now. So they have a lot of options. It should be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, if, if one of those guys just goes on a, a, a streak, just that um, if, if they just don't look good, I mean, they have the guys to replace them. So it should be interesting to see what the Braves do from here on out. But Soroka is locked into a rotation spot as of right now. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, this weekend, uh, Mike Fultonevich is going to be making his fourth rehab start. So, you know, uh, he's going to be coming back. I was just going to throw another name in the mix there. I do like how Max Fried has looked. Uh, I think he's uh, done enough for me to, you know, hope that they keep him in the rotation for the time being. You would think Tukey would probably uh, be sent back to the bullpen or back to AAA once Fultonevich comes back, I would guess. Right. Yeah. I think right now the only guys that you can really count on to, to stick in the rotation at the moment are Gausman and Tehran. Soroka, he's going to be a hot ad. There's a lot of questions, but it comes to the point now, like, who do you drop for him? Because he's going to be, again, he's going to be a pretty popular ad. You're going to see a lot of interesting drops. Names that come to mind are like Aaron Sanchez, uh, Matt Shoemaker, that type of guy where you added them because they were hot. And now. They're not so much. I mean, well, Shoemaker's still actually looking good. And Sanchez looked good through five yesterday. It was the sixth inning where he lost a quality start and had a rough night. But would you take Soroka over them or still put Soroka after them? I'm I kind really of... don't I don't know if I would just because I don't really know how long Soroka's going to be in the rotation. Is this a one or two start thing? I think Sanchez is in that rotation for the long term. And he's, he's actually looked much better this year than last year, hoping all the blister issues are behind him. But guys like Aaron Sanchez, Kyle Freeland, those are guys I, I personally think I would still rather have over Soroka. I don't know if I would drop those guys for him. But Soroka, 15% owned right now. Um, he's definitely going to be a hot pickup. I just prefer 
those other guys at this point still. I kind of want to see Soroka have a start or two before I make that decision to cut bait with one of those guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think for me, I'm going to want to wait to see how he looks, you know, first time out. Unfortunately, you know, reactionary, how reactionary fantasy baseball is. So, you know, you have to make that decision now or never, essentially. You don't have, most leagues don't have the chance to wait and see. If you do have the wait, chance to wait and see, that's great. I know leagues I'm in, I'm, I'm putting in claims for him. I personally am dropping because I feel like this is more of an upside play. And although I've seen Aaron Sanchez do it before, I still have a hard time with that division and lack of offense behind them, really believing in a long-term outlook. Now, maybe a Tyler Skaggs. I love Skaggs, so I, to say this hurts me. But, what I mean, maybe it's, maybe you drop a Skaggs because, like, right now I know there's leagues where I'm hurting for DL spots and Skaggs I'm just stashing on my bench as is. Like, maybe a Tyler Skaggs, and I have a hard time letting Skaggs go, but I'm higher than a lot of player uh, people on him. So. Yeah, you really are. Skaggs is a walking IL trip waiting to happen. I mean, he's always on the IL. Speaking of walking, it's the ankle, so. Yeah. <laughs> but some guy that I feel like a lot of guys, a lot of fantasy players might be comparing Soroka to last year is like a, a Walker Bueller type. I just personally, I don't think that he – is at that level. Um, I don't know if we can expect to see that type of fantasy dominance early on, like we did from, from Bueller last year. So I, I would temper expectations of Soroka. He, he's a nice pitcher. I just, I don't think he's overly dominant with his stuff for fantasy, fantasy wise. Um, that's why I, I, I would kind of wait a start or two, see what he does before dropping some of those big ticket names. But Skaggs is a guy maybe I would consider dropping. I'm not nearly as high on him as you are, but um, it should be interesting to see what Soroka does. We could spend the next 20 minutes on this, so we're going to just wrap it up. I, I see where you guys are at. I, I, I'm I'm kind of torn. I know I'm not going to be able to wait. I'm going to put in a few waiver wire claims on him, throw a couple bucks on Fab, but nothing spectacular. I'm not going to break the bank on him. He's exci- I think he's exciting. I think there's a little post-hype to him, especially because, again, he had the hot start, but the injuries and the potential for him to be close, sent back down. or You just never know. So that's that. That's that. The Braves, it's a, it's a troubling situation. Or not troubling. I guess it's an interesting one, but kind of concerning because you just don't know which way they're going to go. But moving, uh, I hear you want to talk. <laughs> I hear that it feels like somebody wants to talk there. <laughs> I was going to say what the Braves really should do, and this is kind of segueing into another uh, noteworthy news point. Um, they should consider moving one of those starters to the to the bullpen because Vizcainu, uh just hit the DL IL today, and he's going to be out for the season. So they obviously need uh, some help out in that bullpen. Craig Kimbrell still out there, but yeah, I mean it would be nice to see one of those guys like Kyle Wright or. Um, or two key somebody in the bullpen that might help them. So we'll see what they end up doing with that. Well, like you said, you transitioned into a perfect Viscaino shoulder out for the year. Minter is the closer for the time being. We've seen him have some nasty dominant stuff. We've seen him struggle. I think the Braves have saved a lot of money on these long-term signings for these young guys. They have money to burn and they're the perfect team with the perfect need and with the bankroll to be able to take him on for three years at his asking price, which now is fair. Um, I ultimately th- I ultimately think they have to be the favorite at this point to get to land Kimbrell. But at the same time, if not, then Mentor's your guy. If you need saves, you'll get Mentor. It's that simple. But it, like I said, it's really that simple. We can move on from that. 
Uh, Dahl and McMahon are on the way back. You guys, I mean, obviously that means Hampson's probably going to fall back into a utility role. Um, Reynolds is going to go back to the minors or be a bench piece, and Tapia is also kind of – if you had any excitement for him, he hasn't really proved anything. He's not going to stick around. So Hampson's a real question mark. You guys think it'll be more of like a, it'll just be a mess, or you think they're going to go back and play these games of Hampson's is just going to be wherever they need him to be? So I would expect for things to go back to how they were before uh, Dahl and McMahon were on the DL, and that was with you know McMahon getting most of the playing time at first. So were they playing mostly McMahon at first and Hampson at second? Uh, McMahon was playing first, uh, and then. They have like they have like the Valaika guy wherever they have they pulled yeah. Reynolds up that first day. Yeah, Re- Reynolds, Valaika, and Valaika were getting in there too. It was just a mess, and it was really aggravating. <laughs> and I, I could see them definitely keeping McMahon, having him at second base a little bit more, and letting Reynolds stay at first or Desmond at first. But they have so many so many options over there. Too many options, probably. <laughs> Well, I mean, I even, I forgot about that because I keep thinking, I forget about I forget Dan Murphy I forget Murphy's not back yeah Murphy's back yeah that's that's what's throwing us off because McMahon was supposed to be the second baseman and then he moved over to first once uh once Murphy yeah down. that's what's throwing us off that's throwing me off so my my Reynolds take was wrong he's probably not going back anytime soon <laughs> yeah what they should do really is they need to sit in Desmond you know he's. I, I, I think money is motivating that one. That's a bad signing. Well, so is uh, so is what's his face over in St. Louis. <laughs> bad signings. I mean, and this transitions to our next set of guys. Who in St. Louis are you referring to? Oh, it's the right fielder, man. He's terrible. Fowler. Oh, Dexter, Dexter Fowler. Fowler. Yeah, that was a good one too. <laughs> Fowler is like along the same lines. He actually, I think he's getting paid more, like hundred something million, like over. Six years, or whatever it was, I don't remember off the top of my head. But regardless, he's getting everyday playing time because Bader and O'Neill are on the IL. So Bader and O'Neill are out. Dexter is moving over to center field, I believe, and then that gives Jose uh, Jose Martinez a shot. Now they signed Jose Martinez to a, a three-year deal. They believe in him. He's been getting pretty, I don't know, two three games a week, roughly. It seems like. He showed what he can do last year. I think with some regular playing time, he really can shine and show the Cardinals that he doesn't belong on that bench. And I like him. He has outfield and corner field slash first base eligibility in Yahoo leagues. I think most leagues he has that. I I think he's a solid grab off the waiver wire if you're hurting for some batting average and some uh, little bit of power. And I don't know. Kind of yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I don't think his hit tool's ever been in question, really. It, it's just been his defense and playing time, you know, his defense keeping him off the field. So right now, you know, him acting as a utility guy uh, before Bader and O'Neill got hurt, um, that, that was really the only reason you weren't rostering him because with everyday playing time, we know that he can hit. It was just a matter of them finding him the at-bats. Um, now, if they're forced to throw him out there and he's getting regular playing time, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'd pick him up because he, he's shown that, you know, he has a great uh, hit tool. And he gets the Mets the next three days, so that means he's definitely going to hit. Listen now, everybody, everybody's – if your name isn't Joe Musgrove or Shane Bieber or Matt Shoemaker, 
then you're not a good pitcher this year, apparently. All right. So it's been a rough year for aces, man. I'll tell you what, so far. Minus a couple. I think what Bauer's one of the few really still shining. I can't really all know. was looking good until uh, yeah, hurt his toe. Oh, do we we skip that one, huh? Oh yeah. So Snell broke his toe in the bathroom. We don't block, we don't buy it. We as a whole think he threw his remote down playing uh what's it called? Fortnite. Got upset, threw <laughs> his controller down, hurt his pinky toe, and the rest is history. <laughs> we that's what we that's what we truly believe. It sounds way more plausible than him hurting it in the bathroom. But regardless, the only thing that this would affect is he's only missing one start apparently. But it's still worth monitoring because if it's a pain issue, because you know they, these guys wear their cleats extra tight usually and all that other stuff, so there could be like a discomfort if he if that affects the way he plants his feet or does something you know with his motion. Maybe it might maybe it might affect him into one or two starts until it gets fully healed. But that's the only thing I can think of, and that's kind of a stretch. I'm sure if it's only one start, he'll be fine. But that's the only thing that came to mind, essentially. So a little long-winded on some of the news. I, we apologize, but we get a little excited when we haven't talked in a while. So we're going to go ahead and move on to these premature victory laps because why, why be an analyst if you can't just brag about being right once in a while? And let us, we're going to have a little fun with it. So we're not really bragging. We're just having a little fun with it. We're uh, – just talking up some, just we're going to talk up a few of our guys that we were just really big on coming into the year and that we just see, we don't see any reason why this shouldn't continue now. Who wants to start? Well, I'll let one of you guys go first. Yeah, so I, I wrote an article back in March just going over some guys, uh, post 150 guys in the draft that I was targeting. And uh, my first guy on that list was Austin Meadows. I mean, and he's, Meadows has been all the rage, you know, this, this last, last couple of weeks, especially, you know, I think, believe he was player of the week for MLB, uh, one of the players of the week. And, uh, you know, right now he's hitting 350, uh, you know, 426 on base percentage, 700 slugging percentage. He's got six home runs, three steals. Uh, you know, when I looked back at, on him before the draft, one of the things I was looking at was, you know, his hard hit rate and his fly ball rate, both close to 40%. Uh, so I was thinking he can be a 40-40 guy with those rates and put up good power numbers along to go along with a decent average and some steals. So that, that was the reason why I liked him so much. And, you know, seeing him right now with a plus 40% fly ball rate at 43% and a 47% hard hit rate, uh, you know, that, that just reinforces that right there. And it's showing, you know, that, you know, the – goes to the six home runs that he's hit, you know, I, I thought he could be a 2020 guy. I, I think 20 home runs uh, is well within range now. I think he's, you know, plus 20 um, and, and he's going to run. Uh, he, he's got, you know, uh, well above average sprint speed. Uh, he, he's also walking, you know, 11% walk rate. You'll take a 20% uh, K rate. So uh, I, I'm really liking, you know, what I'm seeing from Meadows. I, I, I think that he could be a top 50 player. So, you know, he, he's someone that I, I was targeting everywhere. He was my number one target, you know, after 150. So I'm feeling really good about that right now. And if you listen to this podcast, you've, you've been hearing this guy gush over this guy. Well, this guy over this guy. You've been hearing uh, yeah. George <laughs> just gushing over Meadows week after week, podcast after podcast. 
Oh yeah, you guys get my text messages every time he does anything, really. <laughs> oh yeah, it's usually followed by a few kiss emojis, heart eyes, and <laughs> not really, but it might as well be. Uh, so we get it, yeah, but totally, and there's no denying it. Now, Zach, is this when we talk? Is is there is there? Why do I feel like there's some Mets talk come, incoming? I'll I'll wait a little bit. Um, first guy I want to talk about that I was very high on. Um, he was in our My Guys episode. I kind of talked him up. Um, Tyler Glass now, one of the top five best pitchers in baseball right now. Um, I had a feeling that the – well, we saw it last year. The change of scenery to Tampa really helped him. He seemed to really rapport well um, with the pitching coach over there. And it just seemed like he really needed to be in a new spot, that Pittsburgh, they just weren't developing him properly. And it just seems to be working right now. He's uh, got a 1.13 ERA, third in all of baseball. He's tied for first with four wins, um, 0.89 whip. Um, he's always really had a high walk percentage, and he's really dropped that down this year, which is, is great news. Um, he's pitching more up in the zone with his fastball and better fastball command, which is stuff that he had problems that he had last year. And previous years, his walk rate is down from three percent, from eight percent to three percent. So he's really making huge strides in improving his game. Um, he looks great. I mean, that whole Rays team—they they're playing fantastic baseball right now. Uh, the three-headed attack with Glasnow, Morton, and Snell when he does get back—it's it's really going to be a tough division. Um, obviously, the Red Sox and the Yankees are not playing like we all expected. Um, and a lot of people were kind of down on guys like Snell and Glass now because they had to face the Red Sox and the Yankees in that division. But, you know, right now, that's not such a bad thing. Uh, Glass now, I think his next matchup is against Boston. So it should be interesting to see how he does against a struggling Boston offense. But right now, Glass now is one of, if not the best pitcher in baseball right now. And I'm pretty, uh, pretty happy with that call preseason. Yeah, he should be. I have one share, maybe, <laughs> and it wasn't for it wasn't because I was avoiding him. It was because there was always somebody higher than me on him in the room. But yeah. now I get to gush a little bit over a guy. I've been I haven't stopped talking about now. A little bit of an advantage for me is that I've had content out there a little longer than uh, than my two co-hosts here because obviously I started doing this podcast a few weeks before I had a chance to bring them on. So. I went ahead and did my Sleepers Breakouts and Bust episode, first episode, first ever episode, and most of my guys from that episode, particularly on the Sleepers and the Breakouts part, are guys I'm going to talk about. But the main guy, the guy I've got to talk about because I haven't stopped talking about him since then, was is uh, he's a Met, and it's Michael Conforto. Woo! Yeah, I know. Now, before today, he was – and he, last I checked, he was only 88% owned on Yahoo!, I don't know what leagues he's not owned in, but please, if he Was is available. A four-person league? <laughs> well, apparently some 10-teamers, some AFK leagues. I got, you know, leagues that, I don't know, man. Even in four-teamers, I still understand how he's not. I don't know. <laughs> right now he's ridiculous. I mean, regardless, obviously we're digressing. 88% owned last I checked. And not including today's stats, he had 15 runs, four RBIs. Ten, uh, sorry, four home runs, 10 RBIs, and one steal. Today he added a home run and a steal. 
His triple slash, again, prior to today, was 313, 418, and, ooh, I lost one of the numbers, 590-something. Regardless, it was a ridiculous triple slash. And, but he's doing the stuff that kind of mentioned in the preseason, like his walk rate is still at 12.7%, and his K rate is actually a little lower than usual. It's still 21.5%, which is kind of on the high side, but with such a high walk rate, you can that type of K rate's fine. But the thing that is, um, there's some encouraging things. You know, his his line his line drive rate has increased 28, percent which is actually elite because anything above 25 percent is roughly elite. So he's actually above like. So there might be some regression there, and his ground ball rate has decreased. His fly ball rate has increased, which which makes sense with you know line drive rate increasing, and he's just hitting the ball well right now. Everything is going his way. His pull rate has increased and. These are all reasons why I think he's going to sustain it, essentially. He had slight improvement in his O-swing, which means he's not chasing as much. But, again, this was a guy that wasn't chasing a lot. And he strikes out a lot for somebody who doesn't chase a ton. But I think a lot of it's just him and his patience. He doesn't even – there's balls in the zone that are being called strikes that he just won't swing at and he'll, you know, strike out looking. Now, obviously, he's not going to hit 313 all year. But the second half, he hit 270 last year. And I suggested that that was a potential with his profile. That was a potential outcome for him this year. Now I still think 270 is a ceiling. I, I think that would be a ceiling batting average. But right now, even with the hot start, his expected batting average is actually lower than 313. But it's still at like I think it was like 297 actually. So even if with, with regression baked in to his ex- expected batting average, it's still in the 290s. But again. I don't – it's hard to say that – it's just – it's hard to ju- – like, it's still hard. It's still early. It's still a small sample size to judge and see if there's any tangible change. But, man, you got to love what you see. His barrel rate is way above average at 14%. His highest average exit velo since 2015 at 92.1%. I don't know, man. I think it's a mix of him just seeing the ball really well, hitting the ball really hard. And this ball's got to be juiced this year, man, because we're seeing a lot of home runs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So he looks, he looks great so far. He essentially, really yeah. That, what I just did, what I just broke down was a really fancy way of saying he is what I thought he was coming into the season. Very patient hitter, waiting for his pitches. But when he's hitting them, he's hitting them hard. He's hitting them and he's hitting them far. And if it's not a home run, it's a double lately. But I think the surprising thing that most people would agree on is the fact that he already has two steals. I came into the year expecting four to five at most. And he's on pace for roughly 10, probably more. <laughs> and if he if he gives you 10 steals, which I still think you'll be lucky to get five to seven, even with the two already. But if he gives you 10 steals, that's a huge boost because nobody thought he was going to get even more than five. So if you have a chance to get Conforto for a relatively uh, cheap price, he was a breakout of mine. And it was because I thought he honestly had top 50 upside. And he's he's – borderline top 50 right now and maybe even his top 50 after getting that steal today because steal at least in roto leagues in points leagues he might be closer to top 50 because his his on base is always absurd so i was i'm a little i'm a little excited about him obviously i can't stop talking <laughs> about him and i've been talking i mean, just it's just one of those I, I think i already took two picture laps on this guy man first <laughs> first home run of the season i haven't stopped running since i'll tell you what yeah yeah he was a good call love me some conforto We'll see. We'll see if it sustains again. Like there's obviously again a lot of these guys. There's gonna be some regression because they're off to tremendous starts. But when you see you, know, you see some things like this, it's just it's it's rewarding because you put all this thought and effort into the guy like this, and then he's pretty much just 
picking up where he left off last year, like he thought he would. It's just a good feeling. That's all. I think there's definitely going to be some regression with him. Um, I could see your mouth. No, I, I mean, <laughs> so he's hitting right now. What 313. 313. 313. I think that in the end, he's probably around like a 280 hitter. Ooh, um, you're, you're more optimistic than me. I was, th- like I said, I said 270, and I thought that was because I was just looking at his second half last year, and I figured that was a ceiling. His numbers were a little skewed last year because of that first half. He just had a really bad well, first half. No, as I'm saying, the second half alone was 270. The first half yeah. was like 211 or something ridiculously low. Yeah, he finished really low. But um, 270, 280, I don't think that's out of the question. I think 30 bombs is definitely realistic. And it's nice to see that they're not messing with him anymore and they're giving him at-bats against lefties as well. I mean, he's hitting 280 against lefties, which is which is pretty respectable. Um, respectable. So, he, he'd be lucky to sustain that. 280 versus lefties, that's not his thing. Yeah. It's not his thing for sure, but uh, it's good that he's getting the at-bats. I mean, he's getting full-time at-bats now. Like, there's no hesitations about sitting him. Um, like, what, what they were doing with Bellinger last year. I mean, just let the kids play. <laughs> let them play and let them work it out, and they'll be fine. But he looks great so far. He's easily the best hitter in that lineup right now. Um, Alonzo, a close second. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, you love yourself some Pete Alonzo. Should we get that part over with already? Yeah, we'll just get into it. We'll, we'll keep it brief. We've already uh, discussed Pete Alonzo quite a bit. I called him in the beginning, preseason. <laughs> it's paid off so far. He looks good. He's kind of coming back down to earth a little bit right now, um, which was expected. I don't think anybody expected him to hit 350 the whole season. So now he's down to 328. He's got six home runs, 17 RBIs. He's he's still contributing in both of those categories, and I think he's going to contribute all season long. Like I said, I I can see him hitting 25, 30 bombs, um, 90 RBIs if he gets the at-bats. I still see him as the NL Rookie of the Year over Tatis at this point. Um he he really does look good. He's taking his walks. He's striking out a little bit too much right now. Hopefully, um, he kind of figures out the strike zone a little bit more. I think pitchers are going to kind of figure him out, and it, it might be a struggle. There's going to be some rough stretches, which we kind of talked about, but he's going to also go on those tears where he hits like five homers, four or five home runs a week. Expect big things out of Alonzo for the rest of the year, but I think we can – kind of expect maybe like a 250 260 overall average at the end of the year and 30 to 9 30 30 bombs is reasonable uh but he, he's looked good so far i don't think a lot of people were expecting him to have this hot of a start in the in the power department and and uh the rbi department but he really he's contributed well and he's been a nice compliment in that lineup out of the two hole especially when guys like cano and Nimmo really haven't been contributing much at all um, at this point. So between Alonzo and Conforto in that lineup, um, they've really been keeping the Mets afloat. Um, I'm a little concerned with the Mets play as of right now, but hopefully Conforto and Alonzo will keep that up. So I think me and I feel like me and Zach have been talking for a while. George, <laughs> is there another guy or two that you've – you touted that you've been all over that you've taken your you're still running running around taking your laps on oh yeah absolutely um so the second guy in my article for the fsgn in the preseason uh for my late round targets was joe musgrove 
And Musgrove has been lights out to start the year. You know, he's got three straight quality starts. He just gave up his first two runs uh, yesterday to the Tigers. Unfortunately, he had the win. Uh, he, he lost the win uh, when uh, Keona Kella blew the save. But he, he's otherwise, he's been great. He's been absolutely terrific. Um, now, you know, when I was looking at him in the preseason, you, you know, his numbers last year don't look spectacular, uh, 4.06 ERA. But you look at the underlying numbers, you know, 3.59 FIP. And his, you know, what I thought was that with his excellent ratios, development of his slider was going to be key in him breaking out. And you look at his slider so far, you know, last year he was getting a 17.6% swinging strike rate on it. And now it's up to 22.6%. So his strikeout rate is up 5% from 20.6% to 25.6%. But everything else is the same. Like, you know, the walk rate is the same. The control, you know, everything else looks great. So, you know, he's, he's been able to tap into that strikeout potential. And I'm really loving, you know, what I'm getting from, from Musgrove right now. So, you know, I'm, uh, he's, he's one of the guys that, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I was targeting because he's, he's making it, he's, making he's it worth it. Yeah, he's helped me bridge the gap with some. Like I have him on, I have him on teams with like Thor and uh, Carrasco, who actually had a really good start tonight. So that uh, was encouraging. And that's another thing, guys. Yeah, I know this is definitely getting off topic a little bit, but don't worry about your struggling aces. I'm seeing some really bad trades on Twitter. People are taking advantage of it. Maybe I need to be in those leagues or need to do it myself. But these guys are going to come around. There's a reason why you draft them in the first three rounds. And most likely as your top ace, the Thors, the Nolas, the Sale. Sale. And Sale, I put out a tweet yesterday. He it's it's encouraging. He was averaging ninety five on the fastball. It's huge. Now it's just a matter of him getting some swings and misses on it. But regardless, this just I mean, Musgrove is a great boost. I loved I loved myself some Musgrove towards the end of draft season, honestly. I have him on a few teams and he's been helping me in and all. He's been helping me keep those ratios down for sure. And just well, he's been great because pitching's been tough for a lot of us this year. So Musgrove, great, great call this preseason. I've been enjoying riding that bandwagon as well. It's a small sample size. He's only started three games, but he leads the majors in ERA right now. Point eight. Don't don't you poo-poo on him at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point, uh, no, point eight. Hey, he's been a great pick so far. Just only three only, games. No, only, it's only three weeks, and he didn't start the first three week of the games. season. I think they pushed him back as far. Yeah, as. he uh, got. Yeah, they didn't need a fifth starter, so they <clears throat> excuse me. They used him in like a bullpen role, just to give him a couple innings, and then he started the next week because he didn't pitch in spring training. I don't think earlier he was banged up or something. But yeah, he looks great so far. I mean, hopefully he keeps it up, but. He really does look good. So that was a nice call. And you want to stick? You want to stick on your roll there and just keep going with that last guy of yours that so far has been doing well. Sure. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and keep going here. Um, again, going back to that article, uh, the, my number three guy there was uh, Elvis Andrews, and Elvis Andrews really like I, I was. He, he was just going so late, and I thought, you know, this guy could bounce back. He had. He was. You know the one of the top shortstops in 2017 and you know last year he was looking good again before he fractured his elbow and he he came back and the rest of the season his you know hard hit rate 
dropped you know drastically so uh starting off this season he's hitting 403 i mean he's he's doing great you know three home runs four steals now that 403 does come with a 480 babbit but if you look at the his batting uh profile you look at the 32 percent line drive rate i mean that is elite when when i'm looking for average potential that's the first thing I look at is line drive rate. And if it's over 20%, you know, that's something I like to see. I, I like to see line drive rates over 20%. I know that they, they're going to have good batting average potential. And it's at 32% right now. Now, he only has a 26% fly ball rate. But, I mean, he's, he's hitting the ball very hard again. He 47% hard hit rate, 91.9, you know, average exit velocity. So, in that park, I definitely think he can hit 20 home runs again, you know, 15 to 20 home runs. And one of the biggest concerns with Andrews is that he just wasn't running last year anymore. And, you know, now he's got, he's got four stolen bases so far to start the year. So In four attempts, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I believe he actually did get caught stealing today. So he's four oh, for five, but <laughs> I mean, still you, that was that was one of the biggest concerns with Andrews is was his stolen bases going down. And you know, now if he's showing the power and he's running, I mean, I think he can be, you know, a, a top ten shortstop again. Top ten, top top twelve. So if you drafted Andrews as, you know, maybe your your backup shortstop, you're feeling pretty good. You know, maybe you got a good trade piece on your hand. So, I mean, you you look at the underlying numbers here. His expected batting average, 338. I, I think everything's looking good for Andrews across the board right now. You know, other than his walk rate, you know, w when you see an on-base percentage of 420, you know, to go with an average of 403, he's not walking very much, but it's because he's hitting everything in play. <laughs> so, I mean, um, definitely love that I'm seeing, you know, an Andrews bounce back. Um, he He's a guy that that I think – you know, I was high on, I was, I was hoping for a bounce back and I'm seeing it. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I think top 10 shortstop right here with Andrews. Skipping around this track of yours, enjoy like frolicking through flowers. <laughs> 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 you like that one. I got, I got chuckle out of Zach. Um, well, if you want to keep the happiness going, Zach, who's the, Who's one of your Who's one of your final guys you're doing that victory lap for? So my last guy that I'm doing a victory lap for, I didn't really get a chance to hype him up too much in the podcast just because I, I came on kind of kind of late. Um, he would have probably been one of my guys in the my guy episode, but just didn't get a chance to touch upon him. But uh, the guy I'm referring to is Yohan Moncada. He's looking great so far past few years he really hasn't lived up to the uh the top prospect pedigree that he was given um but he is really showing flashes right now um, he's got five home runs 16 ribbies he's got two stolen bases which is nice i'd like to see him steal a little bit more he's not really uh getting the green light as much as i would have liked but he, he's hitting 333 370 on base 638 slugging he's really got some great peripherals um, he's cut down his K rate. I mean, he was striking out a ton last year. That was really the downfall for him last year. Um, I would like to see him walk a little bit more. 
Um, hopefully that's something that can be approved on, but I mean, he's just, he's an extra base hit machine right now. He's, um, he's getting a ton of extra base hits, whether it be doubles, triples, homers. Um, he's right up, um, in the top percentile for hard hit percentage, hard hit rate. Um, he's really, he's, he seems to be a completely new ball player, um, from last season. Um, this White Sox team, they, they, can surprise a little bit, I think. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty weak AL Central. Um, and Mankata's really feasted upon um, his division rivals, whether it be the Tigers, Royals, um, even the Indians. He, he looked pretty good against them earlier this season. Um, so it's nice to see Mankata kind of coming around. I know a lot of people, whether it be in Dynasty or Keeper Leagues, kind of gave up on this guy, um, didn't think that he was going to pan out. But if you held on to him, it's working out pretty good so far. And if you took a flyer on him kind of mid to late in this draft, it, it seems to be working out pretty well. Um, it's also nice he's got some dual eligibility. He he came in with uh, just second base eligibility, but he's been playing third base primarily. So he kind of has that flexibility, which is nice for your fantasy teams as well. But Moncada, he's really turned a corner, and he looks good so far this year. And hopefully he can keep it up. I know I wasn't a Makata guy coming into the year, so I have one share, and it happens to be a dynasty league. So I was wrong so far, but I'm okay with it. I can't get I can't get them all right, but I did get a good amount so far. Uh, as far as the rest of the guys on my list, I'm not going to break them. I only have a couple more I'm going to break down, but again, I got I, I was able to. This goes back to you know George. Uh, sorry, Zach. I'm really bad with names. Zach was just mentioning how he kind of got like a late start joining the podcast and kind of getting the content out there. Well, I, again, goes back to me having a little bit of an earlier start and a couple quick guys. Will Myers was a guy on my breakout list because I thought he was going to end up being a top 50 to 75 player as well. And he has nine runs, five home runs, nine RBIs, two steals, triple slash of 317, 368, and 603. It's not sustainable as far as his batting average and OBP and stuff, but it just was, it just, it's just a reminder that a healthy Will Myers is a, 25-25 threat, possibly 30-30 threat. And as long as he's healthy on the field, you know what you're getting out of him. He's just a solid – he's just a solid guy who's a, a five-category provider. Well, four and a half because average hurts. But better. I think he's better in road at least because of his low, lower on base percentage and his uh, batting average. But he was one of my guys. Um, Shane Bieber, just one of those – Kind of in that Musgrove area where he was going a little, he was going before Musgrove, but he was still that type of guy that just he's been solid, just like a like a one point one seven ERA, sub one WHIP. He's taking advantage of playing that division for sure as well, because I believe two of his matchups have been, or all three of them have been in that division, and those offenses are terrible. So it's a, it's a real bump. It's a real you know that that AL Central bump. We've been talking, you know what? We've been touting that since as long as I can remember. That AL Central bump is real. So it doesn't surprise me he's he's thriving. It's a good division for pitchers. Other That's guys that we've talked up, like Matt Boyd, he's feasting on that division. Jose Barrios. Um, there's a lot of good pitching, and obviously all the Indians pitchers. Except for Carrasco and Kluber. And Clevenger, who went down. Hey, but man. Clevenger, me and you were so <sighs> high on, and he was looking fantastic so far. That injury, ugh. That's really frustrating. Can't, but, claim, can't claim that one when he's out for half the year. But He's but, looked great so far, but he will. I mean, we're going to touch upon this a little bit later, but if you have him, I would definitely stash him. He's going to be back, hopefully. 
and he should make an impact down the stretch. Um, and like we said, kind of feasting upon that AL Central. So don't get rid of him just yet. Yeah, you uh, mentioned uh, Carrasco a second ago, who actually had a really good bounce back game today. He went seven innings strong with 12 strikeouts and got the win against Seattle, didn't give up a run. Another reminder to not give up on your aces this so early in the season. But anyways, so get back on track because we are getting – we're good at getting off track lately, especially tonight. <laughs> It happens, it happens when we don't talk uh, in a week or so. There's just so much to talk about. But another guy I'm, I'm taking a lap on, and I've, I, I couldn't I – couldn't, like, I did the research for this topic, and I put it on Twitter, on Reddit, and I haven't stopped talking to people about it. But I'm, if it's not a secret by the time you're listening to this podcast, if you follow me on any of these platforms, but it's Josh Bell. He's only 63% owned. I think he deserves to be about 80% owned at this point. He only has 10 runs. Three home runs and 12 RBIs. That's before tonight's game. Triple slash of 309, 381, and, six, and 600 slugging. Now, so I was like, I got to dive into him a little bit. Because, you know, came into the year, he made some changes, and he tinkered with stuff um, towards the end of the year and really had a promising outlook coming into the year. And, well, so far, his walk rate is actually lower than usual, and it's still above league average at 9.5%. His carry rate's actually a tick up at, at 19% than his usual. But it's weird because his underlying metrics show small, but all they show small changes, but they're all positive changes. So the K rate being up and the walk rate being down, it's a little odd to me. Now, some of the positive changes are in the contact rates. So when he's when he swings, like he has everything else has been about the same. The O swings a little in his favor actually. So he's swinging at less pitches outside the zone. But I think the reason why his walk rate is low is because his contact rates have all gone up. His uh, in zone, his zone contact rate, and his um, outside the zone contact rate, both of which have taken uh, jumps upward, which explains why that again explains his walk rate falling. But the fact that his swinging strike rate has actually gone down a little bit, I just don't understand why the K rate is up because he's hitting for a high average. He has a high on base percentage. He must be having a lot of like called strike three type of deals, you know, like because that's the only thing that makes sense for his K rate to be up because everything else seems to be saying the opposite, just the opposite. His hard hit rate is up. His medium hit rate is up. His line drive rate is up. Essentially, it's all backing this up. And the crazy part is with that absurd triple slash, his expected batting average is actually higher at 314. And his, his expected slugging percentage is actually higher at 642, which goes to show you that even though he's having an absurd start, he's actually expected to have a better one. And you take these hard hit rates, he increases line drive rate, his line drive rate is borderline elite now at 22%. And the reason why I think a lot of this is sustainable, his exit velocity is up to 94.8%, which is a career high. But his uh, he's raised his his launch angle to 11%. If that's a legitimate, tangible change, a lot of these power numbers and, and all that, you're seeing the slugging percentage and all that, it's sustainable to a point. Now, he has the batting eye to be a 260, 270 hitter, and his on base his on base skills are undeniable. He always has a high walk rate, high uh, on base percentage. So I think this early season, this early season um, breakout, if you want to call it that, could be the beginning of something like real for the whole year. So it's definitely somebody you should keep an eye on. And if he's available in your league, make an effort to try to add him. I'm not saying he's a must add. Like I said, he's 63 percent owned in Yahoo leagues. I would I would like to see him added. I'd say about 80 percent. 10-team leagues, he's tougher, but anything 12-team or deeper, he should be on your roster. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, he was someone that, you know, that for the last couple of years now, you look at and it was just like, if you can put everything together with this batted ball profile, you know, it was just a breakout waiting to happen. And it could be happening right now. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at what he's doing at this moment and it's like, what I do I want him or what I do I want Jesus Aguilar, who's, you know, p- was picked in the top 100 and, you know, he's struggling. And, you know, you know if uh, Eric Thames is going to take time away from him at first base, I think I might rather have Josh Bell. I'm not say, I wouldn't say drop Aguilar, but man, maybe try to trade him away while he still has that name value. Yeah. Or also, if you have, <laughs> right. If, or if you have them both on your roster, I, I'm probably starting Bell right now. Oh yeah. That, that I have no problem saying that. I'm just, I, I'm not ready to drop Aguilar, but it's definitely as far as Aguilar goes, it's trending negatively. Thames is getting, it's becoming more of a platoon again. And but then there's also my last guy, cause I'll jump right into it. And I'm not going to break him down nearly as much as, uh, is Jorge Polanco. He's another guy. These both these guys are on my sleepers list coming into the year, by the way. Just want to put that out there. Again, that's why this is part of the victory lap deal. Um, Jorge Polanco, he's owning 36% of leagues. And this doesn't include tennis games as well, but he has he had nine runs, three home runs, and five RBIs. And, of course, and he had a triple slash of 415, 467, and 755. Now, these are video game numbers. There's no way he sustains this. His expected batting average is, is 334 and expected slug being is 671, which are still, again, absurd. But my big thing about him coming into the year was that he was a late-round target for batting average and steals because he had 15-15 upside in my eyes. And batting average and steals late in any Roto draft or any categories uh, draft was hard to come by. And he was one of those rare guys that you can get late like a poor man's Hampson is how I viewed him, honestly, because of the speed, the speed and the batting average upside. But the weird thing is, is he's flashing this power, and he's not still, he hasn't stolen any bases yet. So I think the steals are still to come. He's a fast. He's in the eighty something percent, like eight top eighty. He's like in the eighty third percentile for speed or something like that for speed. So the speed's gonna come. But regardless, it's been a pleasant surprise. And right now, with all these injuries happening. I'm surprised he's not owned more just for that, just because of how hot he's been in general. And his batted ball profile pretty much looks identical to last year. The reason why he was on my sleeper list, he's just a solid hitter. And right now he's flashing the bat and he's seeing the ball well. So I'm riding all these, dude, I'm, I'm doing really well in my, in my categories leagues, all my leagues. I'm doing really well. And mostly because of offense. And it's because I'm hitting on all these sleepers and guys I named. So victory laps all around continue to talk them up because they're not universally owned. So they're, and some of these guys like Bell is somewhat available, but Blanco is really available in leagues and he could be helping some of these teams out, especially the ones that are hurting literally and figuratively. So that's it. I mean, we're going to keep, listen, just cause we're done talking about our guys here now, we're going to keep doing these victory laps because we're having fun. We're enjoying it, but we're going to do a, we're going to touch on real quick. Some, uh, DL stashes of ours and well and minor league stashes. These are guys that some we have on our teams or that we're eyeing or keeping a close eye on to add up to scoop up as soon as they get called up because there's there's some guys out there that you might want to start thinking about having ready on your roster or already on your roster for when the call ups happen or when they get activated from the DL because these are the types of things that are becoming more hip and more common commonly done. You can't just grab them off waiver wires. You have to be a step ahead and have them on your team already. So we'll go around and name a few guys. Uh, 
As far as minor leaguers go, do you guys have any that you're really stashing right now or at least keeping a really close eye on? I know. I'm keeping an eye on uh, Jordan Alvarez uh, for the Houston Astros. You know, he's gotten off to one of the hottest starts in in the minor leagues. He's only 21 years old in AAA, and he's hitting 300, uh, 451, 875 right now with seven home runs in 12 games. So, I mean, he could could force his way up to – to the Astros this summer. Um, could he be called up before Kyle Tucker? I mean, if he keeps this up, I, I don't see why not. Um, you know, he's really young for the level that he's at. So just, you know, he has tremendous skills. And he's walking right now more than he's striking out. So that's just telling you that, you know, AAA is, is nothing for him. You know, he's just, he's blowing it away. So um, if he can come up and, and maybe DH, play first base. The thing is with the Astros is the playing time. Um, but uh, if they can find a spot for him this summer, you know, he, he's going to help a lot of teams. The reason why I would say Kyle Tucker, more so than pedigree and, you know, just being higher on these prospect lists in general, is service time. I'm pretty sure his service time clock is done. Like they're done accruing the extra year, I think sometime in June when it comes to Tucker. I'm not exactly sure, but I know Alvarez, they they have no, you know, I mean, they're going to, I think it's one of those, he's coming up for a cup of coffee towards the end of the season, unfortunately, not because the Astros, like, like you said, they, they have no reason to brush him. And if they think he's a legitimate asset, they're going to manipulate the service time for sure. So I'd be a little wary of Alvarez myself. I would definitely stash Tucker before him because I think Tucker comes up at least um, for the time being uh, sooner. I'm going to put this out there because I don't think he is, but if somehow Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not stashed in your league, first of all, make that make that happen. Because <laughs> I was just thinking, because he's technically not, you know, he's technically in the minor leagues. He was drafted universally from my understanding, but if somehow, some way he's available, uh, this seems like stupid news. This is, this is very stupid to say, but man. I don't. I just don't know anymore. I feel like people do stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think where it gets tough is Senzel. Senzel is one of those weird DL and minor league stashes. I, I'm not sure how I feel about Senzel. What are you guys? You guys stashing him? Uh, it, it really depends on the type of league and how deep your league is. Personally, uh, if it's not like dynasty or keeper league, I, I really. I'm not going to stash him. I'm not going to stash him. I, I also don't like the Kyle Tucker pick that you were just talking about. Um, it's clear that Kyle Tucker just he really can't hang with the big boys right now. And um, it's just not somebody that I want to stash in a, in a sh- more shallow league. I think there's better options, more productive options out there. Are you more likely to stash a guy that's pro-ready or pro-proven, but on the DL essentially, like a DL stash versus a minor league stash? Is that more your style? I I would I would say yes. There's two guys. I'll throw out these two names out there. So both of these guys are coming back from Tommy John surgery. They're probably not going to be back until I would say at least July. Um, but Brent Honeywell of the Rays and AJ Puck of the Athletics. Like I said, both guys they had Tommy John surgery early um, early April last year, and. Puck was about to make the rotation in Oakland. He was having a great spring training last year. And Honeywell um, was a top top 10 prospect in all of baseball. 
and he's got that nasty screwball. Um, he's, he's really just a gamer, and he looked fantastic in spring. And, I mean, the Rays, they, they're really lacking rotation options. Um, so if they can get Honeywell in that rotation and not have to do the opener um, two out of the five times in the rotation, I mean, that would be a huge plus for them. So those are two guys that I expect to be back um, probably sometime around July at the earliest, I would say. And I think both of those guys could definitely make an impact for sure, um, considering both of those teams expect to be in the hunt um, pretty much all season. The Rays look great. Oakland has looked um, good in recent years. Um, they, they're, they're primed to make a run. And I think those two guys, whether or not it's rotation, I mean, I could see Puck maybe being a bullpen arm for Oakland, but both of those guys could definitely make an impact for your fantasy team later on um, in the summer. Yeah, those are guys to keep an eye on. Speak and speaking of the A's, um, you know, an, another guy I'm keeping my eye on that I actually have stashed a couple places is uh, Jesus Lazardo. Uh, now Lazardo was actually set to make the rotation coming out of spring training. He had a great spring training uh, with 15 strikeouts and nine innings, only gave up a run. Now you know he he did go on the DL, but he's three weeks into a shutdown period that was supposed to be four to six weeks. So maybe now you know in the next week or two we start seeing him seeing him, uh, you know, start baseball activities again. Uh, but uh, Lazardo, you know, given Oakland's rotation situation, uh, he, he's someone that as soon as he's healthy enough, he's, he's going to be back back in. And, uh, you know, Marco Estrada just hit the, the IL. So uh, he's, got, he's got plenty of potential. You know, Lazardo was touted as, you know, possibly the number one pitching prospect uh, over the last year, you know, at, at least top three. And so uh, – Lazardo is one that I, I, I'm stashing. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle when both healthy, Puck and Lazardo, like who is the uh, the top guy over there? I mean, Puck was more highly touted last year, but the injury set him back a little bit. But they got two crafty lefties in that rotation for years to come, it looks like. All right. Well, in the interest of uh, trying to get more names out there, we're going to have to speed this up a little bit, including because I have a lot of guys I want to talk about. So I'm just – I don't really – minor leaguers, you guys touched on a lot of them. By the way, I looked, and uh, he's not universally owned, as in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. <laughs> he's 94% owned, so he should be 99% owned. So just putting that out there. <laughs> regardless. Uh and yet, real quick, just throw them out there. No real analysis needed. Some other minor leaguers you might be looking to consider sashing or are sashing before we move on to the DL guys. Maybe. I, I know I have Rodgers and uh, in, in Hira in a couple leagues because I actually have NA slots. And a deeper one and a deeper one for me is Austin Hayes for, the, for, for some cheap power for the Orioles when he comes up, really. Yeah, yeah, Austin Hayes and uh, another Oriole outfielder, uh, Yusniel Diaz. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think both Hayes and Diaz can be two of their better hitters or at least better outfielders once they once they come up. So, uh, Yusniel Diaz and Austin Hayes are a couple guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely – I'm with you on those. I just – those are just names because these I'm in, they have NA spots, and there's a couple uh, guys that play with annually that are hip to the minor league prospect deal, and they – draft them and stash them from and I, I usually so I usually take advantage of the other guys um, of the actual guys on the DL but 
you guys have anybody else or you know, guys you think we should move on we can move on to the the else ashes three quick names you mentioned one of them keston hira of the brewers um he's been on fire lately and there may be a second base opening in the near no. future in milwaukee um no, no there's not Mistakis is not going anywhere well, Travis Shaw did go down the other day. Uh, I don't know how serious it is. He went two for four today. Did he come back today? Okay, can't he back. That. Well, he went back. Uh, he came back. I think a game or two ago. He came back. Okay. Pretty much the next game, just so you know. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and the thing about the Brewers too, they they've shown that they're not afraid to move pieces around. So if someone continues to struggle, if uh, Aguilar, Aguilar or Shaw, <laughs> they continue to struggle. You know, they they they've shown that they can move pieces around and. Uh, if they need the help and get here up, um, he can, you know, they'll, they'll find a place for him. Yeah. It wouldn't be to move moves out of the lineup. If anything, moves move to third, move Shaw to first, move here to second. They have a lot of flexibility over there. Moose is batting cleanup lately. I like it. But anyways, um, so here are, here here one. Another one was Carter Keyboom. Just he's, he's been hitting very well down in AAA. Um, just kind of need to monitor that Trey Turner situation a little further. Um, and the last one, the last one was Justice Sheffield. Uh, Mariners looking good right now. Sheffield, um, he had a slow start in the minors, but he pitched a nice outing yesterday. And he could be a name to watch. He's, he's pretty major league ready at this point, so I could definitely see him getting a call up um, in the next month or so. So that's another name to keep an eye out as a nice deep league stash. It's all about that service time. Whenever his clock is, they get the extra year type of thing, man. And a lot of them are coming up right now. That's why it's a good time to get ahead of the game. These are some names to take a look at. I'm not hundred percent sure on these, on their call up dates, you know, for the extra year for these teams, because that's all they care about is the extra year control. So the reason why Austin Hayes got demoted uh, just as for name drop, because he was having a hell of a spring, and it didn't we matter. That's that date now, though, aren't we? No, some well depends. Some of them were like right around now. Some of them were like week from now. Some of them are early uh, May. Some like I think, like I said, uh, Tucker I think is in June. I think I want to say there's an article out there that somebody did the math and all the and all the dates or or the projected dates because I think it's still a projection. They're all out there, and I think like Vlad should Vlad's date passed. So I don't know what they're waiting for. My understanding was that his date was like yesterday or today or something. So I could see Vlad being called up within the next week or two. I think they're talking about like a home series for the money. But anyways, yeah, we'll see. That's gonna be exciting. Now DL stashes. There's a few names I have on my DLs pretty much across the board. One that well, not across. Well, one guy I'm really excited to see, and he's coming back a little sooner than expected. Or two of them are is Otani. He's the first of all. He's a daily league guy. Because he's going to, you know, take days off for pitching rehab and just overall, you know, rehab with the elbow. He, but he's going to be a DH. He's going to hit more, more times than not. And I think he's going to be a real good boost to your team. If you're in a daily league, you, he's a must-own guy. He's going to hit for power. He's going to steal a few bases. We've seen what he's up, his upside. We've seen what he's capable of last season. And I really do think he can go ahead and do that this year. Especially when he's, that's all he's doing is hitting, no pitching at all. So. He's definitely one guy I'm all over, and if he's available, I looked, he's not available in my leagues, but if he was, I'd be adding him. And uh, Gregory Plonk was a guy I drafted this uh, this preseason all over the place. I have him in a ton of spots ready for him to come back. The power-speed combo 
It's just as simple as that. It's a power speed combo. He was really cheap in draft season, and he's coming back earlier than expected. He's already rehabbing, so we're talking days, not and maybe a week or two, but we're not, but we're, we're on the cusp of having him back. So those are two quick names that I'm stashing as much as I can. I'll give you two quick names, um, two bullpen arms that I'm rather intrigued by. One is Brandon Morrow of the Cubs. Um, he's been throwing some bullpen sessions. He appears to be pretty close. Uh, he might need um, a rehab stint, but this guy is owned in 43% of Yahoo leagues. Um, he should take a firm grasp of that closer's job once he gets back. Um, that bullpen has struggled a little bit. That whole team has really struggled a little bit. So it'll be nice to get some, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> um, boost stabi- stability. <laughs> it, it'll be nice to get some stability to that closer role. I know they've used, uh, Pedro Strope a little bit, Carl Edwards Jr., and they really just haven't gotten the job done. So it'll be nice for Morrow to come back. So if you are looking for saves, Morrow will be a nice source once he gets back. Another intriguing name is Carlos Martinez of the Cardinals. It's still kind of unknown what his role is going to be, uh, whether it be starter or bullpen guy. Jordan Hicks has looked pretty good so far. So I don't know if they're going to thrust him into the closer's role. Um, he was pretty successful last year as the closer when he came in um, the second half. But I, I really can't see Martinez being a starter again right now. There's too many injury questions. Um, I think the bullpen is the best way to go. I think that's probably the route they go. Um, if he is available, I would definitely scoop him up. He's only owned in 38% of the leagues right now. That's pretty surprising. I would have expected that number to be a little bit higher. Martinez, if he's out there, definitely scoop him up with anticipation of getting you some possible saves and maybe some spot starts down the stretch. Um, So Martinez, Moro, and two very deep names that aren't going to help you until probably August, September are Didi Gregorius and Yoenis Cespedes. Um, two big names that we're familiar with that were big fantasy stars last year. Uh, Cespedes is only owned in 12%, 12% of leagues. DD's owned in 24%. Cespedes could really help you with some power down the stretch, and DD kind of can contribute in all categories. Um, it's just a matter of when they get back. If the Mets are not in it, I could see them just holding Cespedes out for the whole year. But DD um, is expected back this summer, and I think both pieces could definitely help you down the stretch. Yeah, and George, you want to throw a couple names out there? Uh, yeah, well, right yeah. Uh, aside from Lazardo, uh, another guy I'm stashing is Jimmy Nelson. Uh, Nelson, I know he is set to finish up extended spring training work, uh, I believe, on Friday before starting a rehab assignment. So you know, Nelson, he's a guy that you know had a breakout in 2017, uh, had a 349 ERA, but you look at the all the uh, underlying metrics and they show that he could have been even better than that to go along with his uh, 10K per nine. Uh, you know, he's, he has, he's a ground ball guy, 50% ground ball rate. So I think he's got the potential to be a top 30 pitcher if he can come back healthy. It was really unfortunate in 2017 when he uh, – you know, injured his shoulder sliding back to, to first base. But uh, if 
he can come back uh, healthy if he shows well in his rehab assignments, then uh, I do I do think that he has the potential to give you top thirty starting pitcher production if they're going to let him uh, go the rest of the season. I was a huge Nelson guy. I <laughs> I shouldn't say it was I am, but it's just it was aggravating. I actually had to drop him in a couple shallower leagues when the you know when the setbacks happened towards the end of spring and all that. But I still have him a few spots now. One one more name I forgot about that. The reason why I, I say look for him is because even I found I've been able to get him off waiver wires, and that's Matt Olson. If you need a power pop, and I know it's a hammock bone, so there's a chance that he actually has, like, no power when he gets back. But he's supposed to do back early May, mid-May roughly, is from what I was reading today. And if, if nothing else, the name alone, maybe when he gets healthy, you can sell high on him. But he's last I looked, it was sixty five percent of the Yahoo leagues that he was available. In, uh, he was available in, sorry, he was owned in sixty five percent of Yahoo leagues. So there's still a chance he's on your waiver wire. And if that's the case, I would definitely now's the time to stash him. That's the uh, oh, and Tyler Skaggs. I'm like, I have, he's still on my team, so I haven't dropped him. But yeah, totally see what he's he's been dropping. It shows m- minus nine percent. I just looked. <laughs> that's just a personal. I'm not giving up. He should only miss a start, maybe ten days or something like that. Or, Maybe, sorry, obviously 10 days. Maybe, like, you know, start, maybe two starts. But I think we will be back sooner than later. I'm not giving up hope yet. But if I, but he's probably the first. He's, like, that fringe guy that if I see, like, a Soroka, I could, I, the more I think about it, the more he's the type of guy I could drop for Soroka. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do like the strikeout upside of Skaggs. Um, you know, I'm just glad that it's not an arm injury. So if it's only one start and he comes back, um, I, I do like Skaggs. Like I said, I haven't I haven't dropped him yet. I've actually I went around, I actually added him in a league that he dropped that. But I think a lot of it depends. If you're hurting, like if you if you look at your rank, first of all, rankings don't matter. But if you're looking at your rankings, you're like, you know what, I need something, and you're looking and you want to take a chance on somebody. Skaggs is that guy that's droppable. But if he's available, I, I'm the opposite. If he's available, I'm going around adding him because <laughs> I'm just I, I refuse to give up yet. So, so just to recap, before we get out of here, we covered. You know, we, we took our premature victory laps. We discussed a little bit of what they've done and why they might sustain it. We talked some DL stashes, some minor league stashes. These are guys that you can look at, maybe available on your waiver wire. Go ahead and add them because now's the time to get ahead of the game before you're chasing and having to waste a bunch of fab or a high waiver priority for them. So, you know you know where to find us. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm Mike Curlin. You can follow me at Mike underscore Curlin. We follow George and Zach at jwantsonas90 and at Rapsy. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at BasesLoadPod. And as always, guys, we appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you later.